When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Can't the president just ask the FBI director? Well, I, I think, I, look, I think. Has he asked him? No, the president has not. And I think that, you know, we, we've gone back and forth with you guys. When the, I think there is clearly a role that Congress can play in its oversight capabilities. They've made it very clear that they have the staff, the resources, and the process. I think that's the appropriate place for this to handle. Uh, I think if we were to start to get involved, you would then write stories about how we're getting involved. Uh, so it's a no-win situation. I think the smartest and most deliberative way to address the situation is to ask the House and Senate intelligence committees who are already in the process of looking into this to look into this and other leaks of classified information uh, that are troubling to our nation's national security. Um, so as the President said in the statement on Sunday, uh, we believe that that investigation, as well as the investigation of other classified leaks and other important information that threatens our national security be looked into by the House and Senate Intelligence Committees, uh, and then we encourage them to report back. Do you believe that President Obama I, You know, I, I, I get that that's a cute question to ask. My job is to represent the President uh, and to talk about what he's doing and what he wants, and he has made very clear uh, what his um, what his goal is, what he would like to have happen. Um, and so I, I I'll leave it at that. I think we've tried to play this game before. I'm not here to speak for myself. I'm here to speak for the President of the United States and our government. Zeke. He was asked by John about uh, whether the administration was willing to make a for, 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 for the American people right now who like their doctor or like yeah. their health insurance plan. Is the White House willing to make a commitment then today that when this when this when this replacement bill is passed, if it passes, that they will on the outside on the at the end of that be able to keep their doctor and keep their health care plan. And secondly, uh, just changing gears radically onto it, China overnight issued some uh, some strong rhetoric and promising consequences for the deployment of the fat missile system to South Korea. If you could right. respond to that. Um, so on the first piece, um, I, I think look. One of the things that's important to understand about this process uh, that's very different from when the Democrats did it, you recall then Speaker Pelosi said you're going to have to read the bill to know what's in it. I think there's a big difference. This is the bill. It's right here. It's on the website. Uh, we're going through regular order. If you go to the, the House of Representatives' website, Speaker Paul Ryan's website, it's listed. Everybody can read it, and it's going to go through what they call regular order. We're not jamming this down anybody's throat. It's going to go through a committee process. Um, all parties involved, all representatives in the House will be able to have input into it. I think that's the way to conduct um, this, this, uh, this process, is to do it to allow people to watch the process happen in the committees, allow members of Congress to have their input in it, to make amendments, uh, to see that we get the best bill that achieves the goal for the American people. When it was done the last time, it was jammed down people's throat. And look what happened. You had 974 pages that people struggled to read afterwards and figure out what had just gotten passed, and the consequences were frankly devastating. So to your point about keeping your doctor, in a lot of cases you've lost your doctor for a couple reasons. One, they may not participate in the plan. They may not take insurance at all anymore. Two, they may not take Medicaid, or three, they may not take Medicaid. Um, and, and the list goes on and on. 
about why they might not be there, or your plan, the plan that you got, is no longer accessible. As the secretary mentioned, one-third of all counties in the United States no longer take Medicaid, and, or excuse me, have only one plan that you can choose from. So it's a fact right now that you, can, in most cases, you have no choice. In many cases, you've lost that ability. Our goal is to actually add more choice and more competition. Right now, the government tells you you must have this plan or you will pay a penalty. And within this plan, here's what you have to have. We've lost the element of choice and competition in healthcare. And by bringing all of that back, I think there's a higher degree of likelihood that you're going to get the plan that you want and you're going to get the doctor you want because it'll be your choice, not the government's choice. And that's a big, big difference. This plan was jammed down everybody's throat. And the consequences took their plans away, it took their doctors away, and it drove up costs. This plan allows more competition, more people to enter it, and the American people and patients to make a decision on what plan they want. If they have a plan and a doctor they like, then they're going to choose a plan that allows them to continue with that doctor. But there's going to be more competition and more choice, not less. And that's frankly what you have now. Uh, with respect to China, I think I addressed this yesterday, um, we stand shoulder to shoulder with Japan and South Korea and doing what we can to protect uh, that region in particular from an attack from North Korea. We understand uh, the situation. We continue to work with them. As I mentioned, the President spoke to both, um, both leaders uh, yesterday. Uh, we provided a readout of those calls. Uh, but we obviously understand the concerns of China, uh, but this is, this is a national security issue for them. Hunter. Thank you, Sean. Um, how concerned is the President with the situation between North Korea and Malaysia right now? Well, I would, I, as I've said, I think we're very well aware of the what's going on in the region. The president obviously had a conversation with, in particular, the leader, the acting president of South Korea last night, um, and with respect to what's going on there. And, and again, I'm, I'll refer that uh, to the National Security Committee to, to give you further. Cheryl Bolden, Cheryl, I know I, I sorry I forgot you yesterday. I appreciate. Um, so two then questions. Um, one on health care. If the CBO scores this and it does not provide the amount of coverage that the Affordable Care Act did, will the President still support it? Well, I'm not going to get ahead of I mean, like I, Secretary Price mentioned this, let's not get ahead of the CBO going through this. But I think, as I mentioned to Zeke, I mean, one of the things that's important to understand, there's this, this, is, this bill has to be done in the phases that it has to, to address the repeal part of it and the replace part of it. There are only certain things that we can do through reconciliation, and then there's the regulatory piece that we can do through, through action that the Secretary is empowered to do, frankly, under Obamacare. Um, and then third is, is an additional piece of legislation that addresses things. But there are cost-saving measures um, that in competition uh, aspects of this that have to be included in, two, in phase two or three because they are not allowed in, in the reconciliation bill uh, because of the nature of how reconciliation works on Capitol Hill. So I think that one of the things that we have to understand is that how that score comes out from the Congressional Budget Office will depend on what they, whether they look at it uh, specifically with just a phase one or whether they look at it in its totality. Uh, but I'm confident that if you look at what's going on right now, Cheryl, it's unsustainable. I mean, premiums in state after state, as Dr. Price mentioned, they're up 25 percent on average. Arizona is 116 percent. I think, you know, Oklahoma's in the 50s, Minnesota's in the 40s. I mean, this is unsustainable for a family to continue to pay the premiums that they have, uh, and for individuals, small business owners, et cetera. So the question is, uh, can we allow people to go on this trajectory 
uh, where more and more of their paycheck is getting eaten up in a plan that's frankly not giving them choice, doctors or plans that they want. Uh, this plan, I think, uh, clearly achieves those goals a lot better. It gets the price it cost containment down. It gets price control under, and it allows doctors and plans to reengage in the marketplace as they were prior to this. And I think that that is a, a major aspect. Go ahead. Hold on, Cheryl waited. Thank you. From yesterday, I had a nominations question. Is there something that's preventing the White House from submitting the nominations of Sonny Purdue for Agriculture and Alex Acosta for Labor? I believe Alex Acosta was sent up to the Hill um, earlier today. Uh, we should have an announcement officially out, so sometimes there's a little bit of a lag. I apologize between my office and the, but that one's up, and I'll check on Sonny Purdue. I think some of it's just in coordination with the, with the Senate, uh, so pardon my uh, time. Trey. Thanks, I have two questions for you. First, will the President offer a correction to his tweet this morning that states that 122 prisoners were released from Gitmo by the Obama administration and then returned to the battlefield? Uh, you can take that first. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously the President uh, meant in totality the number that had been released on the battlefield, uh, that have been released from Gitmo since, uh, since uh, individuals have been released. So that is, that is correct. Then my, my second question, is the White House concerned about this uh, new information that came out in WikiLeaks today that U.S. intelligence agencies are potentially purposely providing uh, vulnerabilities to uh, tech products here in the United States? I'm not going to comment on, on that. I think, uh, obviously, that's something that uh, has not been fully evaluated, and if it was, I would not uh, comment from here on that. Kevin. Uh -huh. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Sean, I was going to ask about branding. The president, uh, in the past, has put his name on buildings and different products. When it comes to health care, does the White House feel that the bill being presented today should be known as Trump Care from here on out? I know it was asked to the secretary. And at what point do you think that the transition should go away from Obamacare to the new administration? Well, as soon as it's repealed, we can get rid of that. Uh, I think that'll happen quickly. Um, and as Secretary Price mentioned, I think we're less concerned with labels right now uh, and more in terms of action and results. And I think that's what. Uh, our focus has been is getting that cost down, getting that choice back that we mentioned. Yeah. Um, DHS is reportedly considering separating families that cross the border illegally. <laughs> How does the president feel about that? I'm going to. That's a DHS matter. I mean, we don't get involved in uh, either customs or, or ICE enforcement, so I think that's that's a question better reserved to uh, to both DHS and ICE specifically. Jim. Oh, thanks, John. Uh, yeah, on on, on a care question. Um, one of the criticisms on this is that there is still a de facto uh, individual mandate because it allows insurance companies to increase uh, premiums up to 30 percent if people if there's a gap in coverage. Uh, and, and I have one more. But, but. Well, that's not. I mean, that's not a man. I mean, the difference is under the current bill that's here. If you don't buy insurance, you pay a fine. Under the current bill, you don't have. There's nothing that mandates you to buy insurance. That's up to an individual. So, it, I mean, by, by its very definition, it is not, can't be considered that. What's your second one? Okay. Well, I mean, uh, you don't think it's a de facto mandate in the sense that well, it can't there's be. a penalty in place, as there is now. I mean, it's not by the government, but it's by the insurance company. Right, but there's no, there, that's, I mean, I think you answered your own question on that one. Yeah. I have one more. I have one okay. more. I just another topic. But uh, the, the president has, uh, has blamed the Democrats in the Senate for blocking the cabinet. Um, last Thursday, uh, the Republicans actually called uh, called the recess early. Uh, previously uh, adjourned on Thursday early. Uh, previously, they called a recess the week before. Um, does the president uh, ha have any plans to call for the Senate to 
uh, remain in session and uh, Congress stay in session until they approve nominees and maybe even also. Well, this is this isn't a a Republican issue. Uh, I mean, it's not Republicans that are playing beat the clock on on a lot of these nominees. Uh, as I mean, we've discussed this since the transition time. I mean, there were several nominees uh, that frankly weren't even considered controversial uh, by their by the standards of, of Senate Democratic leadership. Uh, and yet have been held up over and over again. I don't think that that's a very different scenario than uh, going back and being with constituents, uh, which was on the Senate schedule. So I don't, I don't think that that's a synonymous thing. Gonna, do we have Michael Medved uh, ready to go on, uh, for our Skype question? Michael. Uh, Sean, thank you very much. Uh, obviously, today there was a big emphasis on Obamacare, which is profoundly important to the American people. But it, it seems that too often in uh, the last several weeks, the administration has gotten distracted and media have gotten distracted by talk of wiretapping at Trump Tower or the president calling his predecessor a bad and sick guy or criticizing the uh, ratings of Celebrity Apprentice. Do you think the White House could do a better job of focusing on the issues that really matter, the reforms that matter to the American people, uh, rather than getting distracted? to these subsidiary conflicts as we move forward into the uh, coming months. Thanks, Michael. Uh, you know, respectfully, I would say that we have been focused. We're here talking about Obamacare and the need to drive down the cost and access for health care for every American. I think that's a pretty uh, significant uh, thing okay. to be focused on. Yesterday, we are talking about the President's effort to continue to keep the nation safe, to make sure that people aren't coming in to the country uh, who aren't here for peaceful purposes. Uh, the President's talked to almost 50 world leaders. Uh, he's had 30-plus executive actions on all sorts of stuff, from regulatory aspects to things that will create more jobs. I think that's a fairly focused effort. Um, that being said, I think, look, whether he was candidate Trump, President-elect Trump, or now President Trump, uh, the President has always made it very clear um, that one, or not he made it clear, but I think the voters made it clear that one of the things that they appreciate about him is his ability to be authentic and to speak uh, very forcefully and very directly with the American people. Um, and that's an aspect that I think was central to why um, he was elected, is because he's not a canned politician that's going to give uh, the same state answers over and over again. Sarah. Question: You know, conservatives have started to call this Obamacare light. President Trump has promised to fully repeal Obamacare, but this bill leaves a lot of the structure of Obamacare intact. If this is the policy that passes, is President Trump confident in the future he can say that he fully repealed Obamacare? Yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned, I mean, the first half of the bill that we put forward repeals it. There are three things. I mean, each phase that we've talked about, phase one, phase two, and phase three, there's a repeal and replace aspect in each one. Um, but Republicans and conservatives have been talking about uh, added competition um, and driving costs down for decades now, selling across state lines, uh, small business pooling. All of those things have been part of conservative plans for a long time. Um, and I think instilling that competition in it, allowing more access. I mean. I think there's a big difference. There is no, you know, we have for the longest time, if you're a conservative, I mean, you think about this right now, that you have anyone who has uh, a, an employer-based, their job comes from an employer that gives them health care. They're getting a, a subsidy. They're getting a credit. They don't pay taxes on their health care, and their employer doesn't either. That's a huge disadvantage to anyone who's a sole proprietor or owns a small business. 
And so, frankly, to allow the playing field to be leveled um, and allow small businesses, which are frankly the job creators in this country, to allow entrepreneurs and self-starters to get the same tax treatment that a Fortune 500 company gets you is a very conservative principle. Um, and again, I, I think, look, one of the things that's important, Sarah, is for all of the people who have concerns about this, especially on, on the right, look at the size. This is the Democrats. This is us. There is, I mean, you can't get any clearer in terms of this is government, this is not. Um, and I think that part of the reason the visual is important is that when you actually look at the difference, you realize this is what big government does. It crowds out competition, it drives up prices, it stifles entrepreneurship and innovation, doctors leaving the markets, more and more people not taking Medicaid or TRICARE. That should concern people. When you've got veterans that can't, because most of the time, Medicaid and TRICARE are tied together. So when you have those systems not accepted by doctors, that means the lowest of our, uh, the people on the low income scale and people who have served our country have fewer and fewer choices. That alone should be a problem and concerning for many people. But the premium spikes are another problem because again, even if you're in the exchange, now you're seeing over and over again that happen. You're also seeing young people decide that they'd rather just pay a penalty um, because the cost of those basic programs is out of reach for a lot of young people who are just entering the job market. But again, I, I think the greatest illustration of the differences in the approaches is that size. Our bill, which is a tenth of the size, does repeal and replace in what their bill just did in massive government bureaucracy. And that is a big difference. Jim. Just want to ask you, I mean, you had the Health and Human Services Secretary out here. You just talked about this is the Republican bill, this is the Democrat bill. Is that the President's bill? Is that his health care bill? That is a bill that we have worked with with Congress. Uh, we feel very good about where it is. We are looking forward, as I, pre as I mentioned earlier, the President's meeting with the WIP team to encourage them to support it and to build it out. Um, I, I don't think, and I'm not trying to be cute here, but I, I think it's not his bill or their bill. It's a bill that we have worked on with them together. We're very proud of where it stands now. Um, the big difference, Jim, is that unlike before, as I mentioned, when the Democrats jammed it down people's throat and said, waited to get that 60th vote before Senator, with Senator Kennedy still around, um, and then and then basically said, literally, you will have to wait and see what it looks like before we passed it. We not only posted it out there for everybody to look at, but by sending it through regular order, not just putting up for a House vote, but sending it through the committee process, allows Republicans, Democrats, and independents alike to offer up amendments and suggestions, and, and, and the House will work as well. Now, we will continue to give guidance and thoughts and suggestions. But I think the president's core principles are what's going to guide us as we head through the Hill and then over the House and then to the Senate. And just one quick follow-up yeah. on Jonathan Carl's question, because the president made a very serious allegation over the weekend. And, and I think we would all be remiss if we went through this briefing and not try to get you on camera to, to at least offer us some evidence. Where is the evidence, where is the proof that President Obama bugged President Trump? Well, I, I answered this question yesterday on camera on your air. So just yeah. so we're clear, uh, I know this is now will be twice. Uh, but I think I made it clear but, yesterday. I mean, but since yesterday, since yesterday, nothing has changed. No, no it's not a question of it's not a question of new proof or less proof or whatever. It's the answer is the same. And I think that which is that I think the, that there is a concern about what happened in the 2016 election. 
the House and Senate Intelligence Committee have the staff and the capabilities uh, and the processes in place to look at this in a way that's objective, and that's where it should be done. And frankly, if you've seen the response from, especially on the, on the House side, but as well as the Senate, they, well, they welcome this. And so let's let the Senate do their job and the House, excuse me, Intelligence Committees, and then report back to the American people. Yeah. Will the President withdraw the accusation? Does he have any... No, why would he withdraw it until it's, I mean, in, until it's adjudicated? That's what we're asking, is for them to look at this and see if there is... No is it, him no, about not, raising this accusation. Absolutely not. And I think that what he wants them to do is to look into wiretapping, other surveillance, and, and again, as I mentioned before, the other leaks that are threatening our national security. You're seeing the leaks happen over and over again um, that come out throughout the administration, throughout government, and undermine national security, and I think the appropriate thing to do is to ask the House and the Senate to look into it. Glenn Thrush. Sean, so it, to, to follow up on the follow-up, um, in terms of, uh, you were given an opportunity on air uh, to say whether or not the President still, still supported Director Comey. Does the President uh, support uh, Director Comey and then a quick follow-up? I have no reason to believe he doesn't. He has not suggested that to be. So now to the non-follow-up to the seen any evidence yourself? Has the evidence been shared with you or other members, senior members of the President's staff, uh, as to why he made this particular accusation? Uh, as far as me, no. I'm not in a position that that would be regularly part of my daily duties uh, for the President to sit down and, and go through that. That's at probably a level above my pay grade. But I, as I've mentioned, as I've mentioned, I think the President believes that uh, that the appropriate place for this to be adjudicated is for the House and Senate Intelligence Committee to have the clearances, the staff, the processes uh, to go through this, look at it, and report back. Yeah. Did he, did he share it with? Uh, I'm not going to get it. Although, as, as the president made very clear, Glenn, I'm not going to. As the president said in the statement that he issued on Sunday, we're not going to have further comment on this until this is until this matter is resolved. Sean, yes. Sean, Sean, Sean. Two, two quick questions. So, just to follow up on the follow up. So does the, the White House feel that it's appropriate, you say that you want it to be adjudicated by the uh, congressional committees, right. but the President made declarative statements right. on Twitter. So I, I guess, does the, is, is the White House position that the President can make declarative statements about a former President basically committing a crime, and then the, the congressional committees, committees should look into that and basically prove it? I mean, well, I no, it's not. It's not a question. No, but I, I take issue with. It's not a question of prove it. Um, I think, as I said, now five times to the follow up to the follow up, um, that it's not a question of prove it. Is that they have the resources and the clearances and the staff uh, to to fully and thoroughly and comprehensively investigate this, uh, and then issue a report as to as to what their findings are. So, but, but President Trump's Twitter statement shouldn't be taken at face value about what... Sure, it should. Of course, it, I mean, why, why, no. I, I, there's nothing, as I mentioned to Jim, it's not that he's walking anything back or regretting. He's just saying that th they have the appropriate venue um, and capabilities to review this. Margaret, I'm sorry. On, so on the Obamacare replacement, so you've said that it'll, it'll be in phases and that you're going to need additional legislation. So just to clarify, are the, 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 cost, the cost savings that you guys are projecting, right. is that dependent on phase three on the national think, competition plan? Because yeah, well, it's not It's not dependent. Then? I think that in order to see it fully come to fruition, yeah, you have to see all parts of it. But it, the way that it was passed doesn't allow for, um, the, the way that it was passed uh, is almost the same way that we're, we're going through this now, which is they pass certain things, then the Secretary of Health and Human Services at the time was granted uh, 
significant regulatory authority that allowed her to do certain things at the time uh, to implement pieces of Obamacare uh, that we now have to act backwards and go almost in, in the same steps to do what they did to lay it out. We've got to repeal it, and then we've got to replace it with the plan that's going to do the same. Certain things can be done in the same way, and certain things can't. It just it literally depends on, on how that was done. John Frederick. Sean, in the replacement plan, it says that the states that accepted the Medicare expansion money would continue to be funded. So what is the <laughs> message you have to Republican <coughs> state legislators that thought they were fiscally responsible in rejecting Medicaid expansion in their states, and now they didn't get, they didn't get the federal dollars on either end? What is your well, I think what, Yeah, I, I think what we need to do um, is to make sure, as the president said in, in his statements, as Secretary Price did, we've got to make sure that we continue to protect uh, people through this transition process, let the bill work its way. But this is the first time, as we address the Medicaid portion of, portion of this, this is probably the first time that we've really addressed an entitlement aspect of something in almost 30 years. Um, so I think we've got to let this piece of it work its way through the House. Uh, but there is, remember, one of the things that happened through the Medicaid expansion was the goal has always been of Medicaid to help people um, who were disabled or poor or met a specific number of criteria. For the first time in Obamacare, we expanded Obamacare, or the Obama administration did, rather, to able-bodied individuals that, in a way that had never been done before, and it was not a specific class. Uh, that's led largely to the, the ballooning cost. I think a lot of the reforms that will be contained in this bill will address that, but I think we've got to let it work its will through the process. Alexis. Uh, I want to ask you two communications questions on two oh, topics. Because the president gave himself a, a middling grade on communication, let me ask you about the experience that the previous administration had when Obamacare was going through its own phases. Uh, the president, President Obama, said that, it, that the opposition to the legislation was able to seize the opportunity while it was being legislated to create uh, public perceptions about what was in the legislation. So my question is on ACA, what is the President going to do to improve his communications, to be out there explaining what is in the bill, to work with lawmakers? That's the first question, and then I'll ask you the next one. Okay, thank you. Uh, so on the first one, as I mentioned, uh, he's continuing, he's had and continues to have significant outreach to members of Congress. Um, he's talked to health insurers. I mean, I think we've read out a lot of the activities the last couple of weeks, and literally in just within an hour, um, he's going to sit down with the House Deputy Whip team to talk about the legislative piece of this in the House. So this is going to be a very aggressive, um, laser-like focus of this administration over the next you know month or two uh, to get this thing through the House and then moved over to the Senate. Uh, but there's a big difference, Alexis. What we're doing um, is vastly different. Uh, they were expanding government, um, promising people something, and I think what's happened is uh, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of um, difference with how the approach is happening. Right now, the American people, no matter where you are, you understand the, the, the state of your health care, the cost that you're seeing and the lack of choice that you've now been presented with. And in many cases, you realize that when you're going to see the doctor or loved ones going to see a doctor, that they're not getting, they're not either able to get in, they're not taking the Medicare or the, the exchange insurance that they got, the costs are going out of control. Um, and, and I think it's really interesting. I mean, one of the things that Dr. Price mentioned that is so apropos of this is having a card does not mean you have insurance. 
It's like handing someone a blank check. It doesn't mean that you have money. It means you have a check. And I think what we've seen over the last few years with Obamacare is you can have an insurance card, but that doesn't mean someone's going to take it. And it sure doesn't mean that it's going to be affordable. And there's a big difference between having a card and having health care that's affordable. And that's the difference that we're trying to solve right now. And I think so when it comes to communication, I think one of the things that's really helpful is that part of the cell is done for us. The American people understand the state of their health care. They understand how much they're paying for. They've gone to see a doctor or gone to a hospital or had a notice from their carrier saying, we are no longer part of this. Or their employer says, hey, whatever your particular carrier is, I'm not going to, is, is no longer available. We're switching you into this. And so for, for so many Americans, health care is a very, very real part of their, of their daily experience because they're caring for themselves or dealing with an ailment or dealing with children or a loved one or someone else in their family where they're seeing firsthand the devastation and disaster that Obamacare has caused them in their personal life. So I think there's a welcoming of this effort, and I think it's a lot, it's a lot easier for us to go in because we don't have to explain the problem. People are living it. And I think for them to understand what we're giving you is more choice greater competition, we're incentivizing more people to be part of the process, and we're going to be driving down costless premium. You had a second. So my second question on communications has yeah. to do with the, um, the President's uh, assertion about the wiretapping. Yeah. Because the White House wants this now to be handled by the legislative branch and in confidence and classification, can we count on the President to himself while this investigation is going on? to cease and desist using Twitter or any other public venue to make accusations that are in public but he will not respond to in public? With respect to this particular situation, I'll, I'll, I'll ask that and I'll, I'll get back to you on that. John Gizzi. Yeah, thank you, Sean. Um, just getting back to the question about if one likes his or her health care, they can keep it. In 2013, uh, Congressman Fred Upton, then chairman of the House Energy Committee, offered legislation that put precisely those words into law, and it received the votes of every Republican member in the House and between 40 and 50 Democrats, and then it died in the Senate. Would the administration support a revival of the Upton Amendment, in other words, putting uh, the right to keep one's health care plan and doctor if he or she liked it? today. I mean, I think that's the goal. I don't want to start talking about what we're going to, as we go through the process, we've now put our stamp on this and sent it to the House. It'll work its well as amendments come up through regular order. Uh, you know, our team will weigh in on those uh, with, with their staff. And again, the President's meeting with the WIP team today. I don't want to start saying we're going to support this amendment or that amendment now. But I think generally speaking, obviously the goal is to make sure that people get a plan that they like that's affordable, that meets what they need to have met, that they shouldn't have to have a one-size-fits-all government-instilled health care system that doesn't offer any choice or, frankly, isn't tailored to the needs that they have. I think that's an important thing. Uh, John. Uh, Sean, uh, right now you're two votes short of uh, passing repeal and replace in the Senate because you've got four Republican senators who are saying they can't support the bill because of rolling back the Medicaid expansion. What do you say to those senators who are very concerned that people will lose coverage, that this does not provide enough stability for those people who rely on Medicaid for their health care? Well, there, there's two things, John. One is we're at day one. Uh, we've got to get, we're going to go through the House first, uh, so we got a little bit of time. And I think as we go through that process, 
these senators, and not just the, the additional two, but I think and hope that we'll get additional ones that recognize that those people, you know, as I've said over and over again here, it's, it's if we do nothing, they're going to be in a very, very worse scenario than they are now. Um, more and more people, if you're on Medicaid, um, which serves so many low-income Americans, they, as I mentioned, they have a card. And that card does not allow them to go to doctor after doctor saying we're not going to take Medicaid or TRICARE anymore. So I would ask those senators, what are you doing to help us work on a bill that will get them insured again? Because for too many Americans, they've got a card, but they don't have insurance. And I think that's a very, very big thing, um, to, to a distinction to make. It's, they, they're the ones who have the problem right now. They've got a Medicaid card and nowhere to go. And what we need to do is to make sure that low-income Americans, veterans, small business owners, individuals who desperately need health care have options and affordability. One other piece of this. You could, you could bring down the cost of the insurance uh, itself through new efficiencies in the system selling across state lines, but the biggest driver of the, the increase in health insurance costs is the skyrocketing cost of medicine. Right. What in this overall plan do you propose to do to either cap the rise or even bring right. it down? Well, I think you, Secretary, mentioned this, but I mean the cost of prescription drugs is That's a one that, small no, it's not. It's a big factor. Right. I think that. But when you're when you're paying fifty thousand dollars out of pocket to get a stent, right? I mean, it's, but again, it's what is the biggest of, thing a lot missing? Of but, but it's getting out of control. So fair enough. But fair but, enough. But, drugs but, is one part of no, it. No, no, no. But what, okay, when you talk about procedures or drugs. The biggest thing that's missing in this whole equation is competition. There's no, I mean, we're down to one plan in many places. There's nothing for these places to compete. There's competition between hospitals. No, no, there's, I mean, that's fine. But if they know they're going to get the same reimbursement rate, if they know that there's no other options, that plans aren't trying to get people, uh, then that's a big difference. Right now, there's a lack of competition um, in the industry. And I think one of the presidents, I get it may be one part of that. But you're right that all over medicine, <laughs> procedures and such, but there's a reason he met with drug executives and talked about getting those costs down, that there's a multifaceted approach. And how do we instill competition? How do we drive down costs? But you're right. We've got to do more to get the cost uh, of that down, of the procedures, uh, to allow additional options. Everything that it's the same way that, again, think about ins your insurance, right? One of the things that was driving up costs in the past was people were exercising the option of going to an emergency room over and over again mm -hmm. for their primary care. And what happened is that you saw all of these, you know, quote unquote clinics pop up from around and, and, and insurance carriers actually made it cheaper in terms of co-pays to go see that than an emergency room driving people to somewhere that didn't continue to drive up costs, clog insurance, things. that competition alone starts saving the plans money and helping to keep costs down. We've got to instill more aspects of competition in medicine. Jennifer. Can you give us an update on the effort to roll back regulations? Um, have the task force, force uh, regulatory reform task forces identified any regulations to roll back and have any actually been repealed? Um, I, I think that they have had their work cut out for them. They've started. Um, as the president has met with different industries and companies, uh, corporations, associations, that is a constant subject of, of discussion, um, which is those regulatory aspects of our economy that are keeping companies from growing, expanding, and hiring. Um, and so I know that the domestic policy team and others have been working on that. And uh, if, if I can get further updates on specific legislation or, excuse me, specific regulatory action, I'll get back to you. Hallie. 
trying to get some clarity on something that my colleagues have tried to follow up on as well. You've said that you stand, the president stands by his tweets Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. The President Obama ordered this wiretap. You've also said that the administration wants Congress, that he, and let me just be clear, he said he found out this information. You've also said that the President wants Congress to investigate. Some members of Congress, by the way, have asked the White House and asked the President to come forward with that information. So bottom line, why would the President want Congress to investigate for information he already has? I, I think there's a, there's a separation of powers aspect here, as I mentioned to Jonathan. Uh, that we think it's well it's not a question of waste it it's a question of appropriateness but if the president has the info I guess that's what I'm trying to get to if he if he's sitting on this information that he found out he's now directing or asking or recommending that the well, intelligence I, committees look right. into this and you talked about they have resources and staff which they do right but why expend those resources and staff if the president found out this information and hasn't I, I think there's a difference between directing uh, the Department of Justice, which may be involved in, a, in an ongoing investigation and asking Congress as a separate body uh, to, to look into something and add credibility to, to the look, is, adds, uh, adds an element that wouldn't necessarily be there if we were directing the Department of Justice, for example. But again, I think we've made it very clear uh, how he wants this done and where we go from there. So, Second question, then. Um, Millions of Americans are working on their tax returns right now. Will the president commit to releasing his tax returns for this year, and is he still under audit for his past returns? My understanding is he's still under audit, and I'll follow up on the question. Sean, yeah. Sean. Um, question and quick follow-up. Uh, how do you uh, react? How do you understand uh, what we've seen on the no growing number of cases at the Canadian border of Canadians born and raised in Canada with valid passport being stopped at the border and told just to go back? They won't let come in in, uh, in the U.S.? I'm not aware of that. Uh, I think that's something that probably should be addressed to the Department of Homeland Security. There might be a misunderstanding of the messages sent I, I don't know. And I think it's a good question that is probably best directed towards the Department of Homeland Security. Dr. Swan. <laughs> Thank you. Um, is the White House going to keep its promise to withdraw from the Paris Climate Agreement? And our understanding is that there's some divisions of opinion. Rex Tillerson wants to stay in. Steve Bannon wants to get out. What's going on? Will you keep the promise? If not, why not? Yeah, I, I think that's something I'd, I'd be glad to follow up with you and everyone. Uh, I don't have anything on that right now. I'm aware of the discussion of it. So let me, if I can, I'll get back to you. Mike. Uh, I had an unrelated question, but I also want to follow up on something Alexis. Unrelated questions are my favorite. <laughs> had asked, uh, she talked about the communications strategy. Will the president play a public role in selling this bill? Will he speak to the public about it? Will he answer questions about it? Uh, that's a good question. I think that we are going to have a very comprehensive strategy. As I mentioned, uh, just a few minutes from now, the President is going to engage with, uh, with members of the House uh, whip team uh, to talk to them. I understand that, but, but I know, and I understand that. This is step one, Mike. Uh, there's a lot of time, as I mentioned, we expect to be dealing with this for the next several weeks. Uh, there'll be plenty of opportunities for the President to speak about that, to engage with the public. Uh, but it's going to be a comprehensive plan uh, that we will discuss. We had, I can't even begin to tell you how many uh, administration folks, members of Congress, flooding uh, the, the broadcast and radio airwaves today, um, both nationally and in local markets. Uh, we were very, very active um, throughout the country, getting out the word on what we're doing and why we're doing it, from national uh, broadcast shows to cable to TV, I mean, to, uh, to radio. Uh, we had a very, very aggressive uh, start to this effort. 
Uh, we're working with, with the House in particular. We'll continue to start really engaging with the Senate. But this is going to be a comprehensive effort working with the House and the Senate to get this thing done and other partners, doctors and outside groups that share this concern. As I mentioned earlier, one of the other folks that there is a, you know, there's a, a need by, by companies and corporations who are feeling the weight of additional costs to, to join us in this effort. And, um, and I just want to, you know, this is obviously something that, that needs to get dealt with. The, the escalating costs are having a significant impact, not just on our economy, but the, on the ability of people to get hired, or frankly, people who are hired lose their job because the cost of healthcare is not allowing, especially people in the small and medium-sized businesses, to keep up with those costs. With that, thank you guys very much. I look forward to seeing you. Sean, I had a we'll have a readout for you. Sean, I had that unrelated question, which was I'm sorry, that's not fair. Mike gets his unrelated question. Will the Trump administration continue the Obama administration's practice of releasing publicly the business? We're currently uh, evaluating our uh, our procedures in that, and we'll have some when we have an announcement. I'll let you know. In April, I'll have a readout on our schedule for tomorrow. Later, I will have. <laughs> I, I, once it's confirmed, I will let you know first, and then everybody else. Thank you, guys. Have a great day.